All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass. My guest today is Matt Holleran. This is a special guest for me because Matt is the reason I even have a podcast. And so humbly, I, I'm here kind of with the godfather of, of Financial Advisor podcasting, even though we, with my podcast, we rarely even talk about financial advisor type stuff and investment type stuff. We talk about entrepreneurship instead, which I think is phenomenal. So Matt is also a veteran, Navy veteran. Welcome aboard, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, this yeah, this is a good one. It's an interesting one, as I said, because you got me into podcasting. We were at the Jolt Conference in Vegas back in May of 22, and you and I were just chatting, and I, I saw your booth, and you were talking about podcasting, and the idea sounded, okay, it sounds okay, that's cool, but what the hell would I talk about? Who would I have Where on it? Where would it go? Like, wh what do I know, right? Then with Giselle's help, we finished the conference. We went to the breakout session at the end. So there was, what, four or 500 people there. Everybody funneled out. And then the final session of the day was, hey, who is there? Or what, what do you do with all this stuff? How do you put it all together? How do you make action items from all this knowledge that was spewed at us for the last three or four days? And I remember the gentleman sat there. Just, I was like, you need to sit with this guy. And I can't remember his name. I, I have to give credit. I have to find his name. I should. And we're talking about having a niche. Like, you need a niche. You need this. You need that. Joe like, Lucas. You were talking to my friend, Joe Lucas. Was that Giselle? Do you remember? Was it Joe? Yeah, it might have been Joe. Might have yeah. been Joe. Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, his like, husband, wife, wife was there too. Yeah, totally. Yes, yeah, Joe Lucas. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I need to call Joe and thank him because of Joe's mentorship and his one idea was a catalyst for me to, to get this going. And at the end, he's like, you got to have a niche. I'm like, well, I have clients in every industry of manufacturing. I have medical. I have accounting. I've, I've got white collar, blue collar, you name it. I have clients in every industry. And so he's like, I can't specialize because I specialize in everything. He's like, well, what are your favorite clients or what clients you enjoy the most? He's like, well, my fellow veteran entrepreneurs. He's like, imagine you had a hundred of them. Yeah. That was the moment. I'm like, dude, why did it took 18 years to have that moment of clarity, which is uh, phenomenal. So then I came back to you. And after like, oh, I had my moment of clarity. I know what to podcast about. So yep. it was like, it was like this, this awesome chain of events of people coming together. And, and so thank you for helping me have the initial thought of like, yeah, it's an idea. And then with Joe Lucas, which I will follow up with him and reach out to him and I'll get him on the podcast. Cause I owe him yeah. a big thank you to coming back. And now this is probably our 20th, 25th mm -hmm. episode. I don't even know where the heck we are now. It's great. Oh, hold, man. hold on so a second. I, I want to go back to so uh, there. There's a little bit more to that conversation. Go, go. Uh, and so when you you got you came over and you're like, hey, I know what I want to podcast about. And then you said, you know, Joe just talked to me about this, and I want to talk about veterans. I mean, we didn't come up with with the name of the show, right? I we didn't do that on the spot. But the that we had a very very in depth conversation about why do you want to talk to veterans why is that so important you know how is this energy giving instead of energy taking from you you know all of that sort of stuff and then you found out that i was a vet and then that just kind of accelerated our our relationship even more and and i don't know if i'm supposed to say this but you know we're we're in a you know i'm with you once a month right uh, i mean we talk with a whole group of veterans in this veteran masterclass that you've created with unbelievable people there's like a it's like a general what was dude, that guy yeah. this last time holy moses yeah the dude he helped raise he didn't talk about it he helped raise the kursk he helped the russian submarine he actually helped holy raise crap. that thing yeah no no wow. and, and when the coal got blown up 
he was there kind of protecting the coal and, and organizing that in Yemen, all this crazy stuff. The dude's wow. done some amazing stuff and he's so relaxed. Yeah, so like totally even mellow. keel, man. He's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So oh, it's the energy yeah. right, the group. And and yeah. we had it what yesterday morning. So thanks yeah. again for being here twice. So we do it yeah. once a month. It's the veteran entrepreneur masterclass. And if, if you're a veteran, want to join, just reach out. We'll have you. You're welcome. Come check us out. There's no cost, but thank you. But uh, talk about you for a second. You're a veteran. Give me, give me your Navy backgrounds for the listeners who may not know who you are. Yeah. So uh, 17 years old, a Navy recruiter came into my physics class, which I don't know if they're even allowed to do that anymore. And he talked about this nuclear power program. And if you scored really well on this test called the ASVAB, you might be able to stay in the Navy for six years and get out and make up. And this was in the nineties, $150,000 a year. And I'm like, I'm in because I didn't actually do very well in high school for many reasons we don't need to get into, but I took the ASVAB and I scored really, really high, which is the first test I ever took that I ever felt successful, Brett. That was the craziest. And that is the epitome of my Naval career. I entered into this, this system and I felt successful. I felt smart. I felt valued. I felt special. All of these things that I never felt up until that point. Then unfortunately, I, I get into MEPS and they found out how colorblind I was. I couldn't actually join the electrical program because you don't want a colorblind electrician, dude. That's really stupid on a big, you know, the reactor. Green, so, green lights, red lights. You need to know yeah. the difference between the green light yeah. and red light. Well, no, I could do that. It's just all of the other colors that were in the wires is what I couldn't get. So anyway, so I actually went into the, so, so that level of success crashed and burned very quickly. I went into boot camp unrated with no school afterwards. So I basically went to my ship as a deck ape, as an E3 deck ape, which yeah. means I literally chipped paint. That was really, really eye-opening. I literally swapped bosun's decks. Mate. You're a bosun's yeah, mate. Was, yeah. Well, actually, I wasn't even no? as good as a bosun's mate. I was underneath a bosun's mate, dude. Wow. And then what I ended up finding out very quickly is I could, what's called striking out of deck. I took the yeoman exam, YN3 exam, which is basically an officer admin position. And I passed, which I, I and again, that was my other level of success. And that opened up so many doors for me, dude. It was unbelievable. I- Made it to E5 within my first enlistment. I was the youngest officer of the deck ever uh, on board that ship that was commissioned in like 1943. So that means that officers had to salute me coming on the ship and leaving the ship when we were in dry dock or awesome. when we were in dock. I got like the Navy Achievement Medal, enlisted surface warfare specialist. So it was one of those things where it was just totally life-changing. And I realized that I, I learned how to work within a system so well that I learned how to break the rules within the system. And man, I mean, Clinton was downsizing the military. I couldn't get any good orders. I wanted to stay on a ship. And I guess everybody does because, you know, it's the Navy. Uh, and they were going to put me behind a desk for eight years. And I'm like, man, I'm out. So I left. I get it, man. So you were enjoying it. I want to stay in too. So what you just shared, you want to stay in, you want to do things. And hey, I just want to do this. Yeah. And in my story, I was, I was USMCR because I was ROTC. And then you augment to regular Marine Corps and you have that choice at, at your fourth year. And for me, it was like, okay, give me orders. I just want to go travel. I want, I'm in the Marine Corps. I want to go see the world. I want to do something as tanker, logistically intensive. I didn't get to go on float. Only two platoons went on float at a time uh, each year. So very, very small chance of going on float. Just a matter of timing showing up. And I said, give me orders to Okinawa or somewhere. I yeah. want to go travel. And my monitor is like, well, if you augment, then I'll give you orders. I'm like, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> my one time I'm in control. Yeah. Give me orders and I will augment. No, we're going to give orders to those who augment first. And okay, then sorry, I'm getting out. And then, of course, I started my whole mental mindset of you're getting out and trying to transition to get your mind ready for the, your next endeavor. Yeah. And then they, they call me like three weeks before I was getting out. Oh, we got you those orders you wanted. I'm like, oh. why? Why? Like, so I feel you. So all that that story is like, I feel you, brother. So then you were ready to be in and you wanted to be in. Then you got out. So be it. Fast forward now. Let's talk about. Actually, you, I'll let you talk. So you've got your current company, 33 employees, but you left the Navy. There's a lot in between there. I'll let you pick. What is the, like the one moment or one step when you went from leaving to where you are now? Was there one pivotal moment or one step that helped you get to where you are now that you remember that kind of jumps out or stands out? Well, actually, I'm going to say two, one Please. very short, Please. and then I'll take the second one a little bit longer. So, so the first one is going to community college. Community college changed everything for me. All of my friends went right from high school into four-year universities. A lot of them failed out. And I wanted to baby step back into academia. And I went to my local community college and I fell in love with education all the way up to getting actually my master's degree, which you know was a very long journey, but a, a wonderful one. But I think the biggest transition for me since I was in the service, you know, and you're really living with everybody who's America, right? And, uh, you know, I uh, that's really important contextually. I don't know if people really truly understand that about being a veteran. I mean, yes, there's like little pockets and stuff, but you're with rich kid who pissed off his parents all the way down to somebody who like we had guys in boot camps who, who didn't have shoes. They were deep south Appalachia sort of stuff who had actually never swam. Which, by the way, why did you join the Navy if you can't swim? It's a different story. So my wife and I did something called Boys Town. And so Boys Town is in Omaha, Nebraska. It's an at-risk teenage boy and girl organization where you live with at-risk teenage boys and girls. And we did that for five years. We had 36 kids come through our house. Oh, wow. And that was a huge, huge life-changing experience because I grew up without really a father at all. I had a stepdad who was moderately involved. I got to be a dad to 36 kids because I would say... 35 of them didn't have fathers in their lives. And I'm still connected with many of them today. And that was a huge life-changing experience for not just me, but also my wife. It, it prepared us, but we had our children there. I have twin boys that are 19 now. But that's when I felt the importance of really always keeping perspective, right? One of the things that was the greatest lesson that we learned there was the behavior will be there tomorrow, right? So we would be in with eight teenage boys and they're swearing at us and throwing stuff at us. I mean, it was, it was rough, man. I mean, at one time you had eight kids at one time in your house, Yeah, eight kids at one time. We had eight kids at one time in our house, eight at risk kids, eight at risk teenage boys. Yeah. Anywhere from 13 house. to 18 living with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big house though, dude. They were big houses. They house. were big houses. Now two yeah. to a room. Right. But you know, so we had four big rooms. We lived uh, in a very, very small apartment that was attached to the house. We actually had our own private space that was locked because you had to do that. So we were, we were so frustrated and my, my, the, the behavioral therapy, the, the kind of guide that we had our consultant, she said, you know, Hey, look, the behavior will be there tomorrow. Address what you can address today, but don't get to this level of overwhelm because you can address that tomorrow. And I've really taken that through business, right? Through through business, through life, through my own children, dogs. I'm a dog guy. And so, you know, hey, I'm, he's not doing it today. Maybe he'll do it tomorrow sort of thing. And so I, I think that's given me a little bit more patience than a lot of, especially entrepreneurs have, just because I had to live with that level of patience for five years. 
you bring a lot there. And a couple of my friends who are actually combat veterans, actually one, the one you just reminded me of a story when I went to the American Legion maybe three months ago now, and there's a Medal of Honor winner. He's chatting and he was talking about it. He recently lost his wife, unfortunately, Vietnam era, Vietnam Medal of Honor winner. And he's just telling a story about his wife and she came home, was mad at him or something. She's like yelling at him and she's all frustrated and, and he's just kind of sitting there and she's like, what, why, why don't you care? He's like, honey, no one's shooting at us. Yeah. <laughs> no one's like after what he went through in Vietnam, the things he saw and did, everything else is cake. Yeah. Right. So it's about perspective mm-hmm. and being able to step away or just having the wherewithal to sense your emotion and it's very hard to do. And I have a horrible time with it, but I try. All you can do is continue to try and improve. But catching yourself when you get spun up, because I'm a passionate person, I'm a verbal thinker, mm-hmm. but you have these thoughts and they just come out. And especially when you get fired up and you're passionate about business and just catching yourself and listening to yourself. Ah, you're getting fired up. Why are you getting fired up? Okay. If you can feel it, you can recognize it. Yeah. You can take yourself away from it. So thank you for sharing that. So then how did you go from being kind of hired foster dad of the year commend you for for hiring or handling not hiring handling eight boys to where you are today or what was what was that transition or how did you say I want to start proudmouth or how yeah how did you want to start proudmouth so I was a business consultant in financial services as a practice management consultant. And I had consulted about a thousand advisors just like you, Brad. Right? I mean, you were my bread and butter. All right. Somebody who'd been in the business for quite a while and who were really looking at elevating their practice, whether that was for marketing, branding, practice management, hiring, firing, or branding, messaging, all of those things. So that's what I did for a long time. And then I met this guy, Kirk Lowe, at a conference. And I had been following him because one of the biggest things that my clients used to ask me about all the time was about branding. And I wasn't very good at it. In fact, I wasn't good at it. In, in fact, this is why I don't do it uh, here at Proudmouth for clients like you, right? I just, I don't do it. Um, one, I can't remember anything that anybody ever has as their brand. And two, I'm not that kind of creative, right? This is my medium. And sitting here with you is my happy place. You know, having a great conversation with a super smart smart person is like, I live for this, right? Yeah. You, I'm talking about you. We just started kind of talking and I was picking his brain and, and all of a sudden it was like this epiphany that we both had at the same time. We have to figure out how we can work together. And there was nobody podcasting in financial services period at the time. So this was our late 16, early 17. And so Kirk and I started a podcast and we just, there's something about he he completes me like literally as a business partner. Uh, what he, yin and yang? Yeah, use the yin to your yang. Yeah, I'm this person, hyper spastic, excited, verbal, loves being in front of people, talk all day long. Kirk is the introverted, brilliant, organized numbers guy who just can extrapolate all sorts of crazy information and make it make sense. It has been difficult. Now, I, I do have to say, there have been a bunch of failures before that. So I, I don't want anybody to think uh, this has been gravy at all. In fact, I mean, I failed. I skipped it. Yeah. I, I, well, well, I failed miserably at a number of things. So first off, God of grad school, I became a therapist, found out I was terrible at it. $60,000 in student loans to find out you're not good at what you were planning on being, right? Coming home every day, crying every day on the way home. Because all people do eight hours a day is dump their stuff on you. And some of it is like, 
Oh, like, I can't believe you're like, they're not shooting at me. I mean, that's the sort of level yeah. of stuff that people dump on you. And my wife would just be like, honey, how long can you keep doing this? And I am not opposed to crying. I think it's actually one of the most manly things that you can do to actually be in touch with your feelings. And so that was how I needed to release. You know, I was, I'm not an angry person. I didn't punch things. I would just cry, got it out, come home, kids, wife, good to go. But dude, I, I just... It's, that was a failure. I, I started a life coaching company that didn't have a niche. So we tried to market to every single solitary person lost. You, need a, you needed a client. You needed a client. I'll market anyone until I get a dollar in. I get it. We've been there. We've done that. Got that t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I still have the organizational LLC paperwork for that, just as a reminder of the level of failure that that was. And then what, you know, when I was my own business consultant, after I had actually worked for a company for a number of years, that was one of the first times that I realized I could be successful as an entrepreneur, you know, really understanding, you know, the systemization need, making sure that it's not all about you, all of these really powerful components that I was able to bring with this new one. But yeah, I, I mean, I've lost hundreds of thousands of dollars, hours, days, months, years of my life, you know, chasing rabbits that didn't pan out. You and I both. That's the journey though. So with that, every failure, every attempt, you learn something. And it makes you better. It makes you grow. And same thing. I've wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars on things that I thought would pan out. The big, I'll ask you your biggest one. I think for me, the biggest one, and I've shared maybe before in the past, it's having the concept that marketing is not selling and hope is not action. Yeah. You hope if you spend money on marketing, you hope it will turn to sales of business or something will come back. And I've wasted equity in three homes I had built up. I got in Vegas as a real estate investor in Vegas after the first financial, or the 0708 financial, mm -hmm. I got in cheap, got in really cheap, wrote some stuff up, went independent, started my own shop. And okay, I, I didn't want to work just off referrals. I wanted to go out and get clients. So I realized I had no sales skills because my business was 100% referral based the first time. And then I took all this money from selling these houses. Okay, got capital, put it in the business. Here we go. I started paying people, okay, paying for marketing, paying and paying, and this is going to be great. And going out, going out, going out. Oh, it takes time. It takes time. It takes breaths. It just takes time. It'll, okay, okay, okay. And just ching, ching, jump, ching, ching. And you're hoping and hoping. Hope is not a strategy. And I can throw any lesson out there. Any veterans listening, marketing is not selling. Marketing is not selling. Do not just give money to a marketing company and hope it's going to turn to sales. Selling is a completely different skill set than marketing. So I was uh, just thought that from our conversation just came out. Yeah. What about you? Tell me a, a thought or a lesson that you had along your journey. So I'm actually going to piggyback off of what you said, because you're absolutely correct, right? But your marketing should make it so that your selling process is easier, right? What most people don't understand. So I'll talk very quickly about my my journey to being influential. This is something that I'm still quite uncomfortable with, and uh, I'm dealing with this. But we put out so much content as an organization, and you know we're 400 episodes into our podcast and all of that sort of stuff. When I go to conferences, like people know who I am, right? And I've worked diligently on that. But that didn't happen until about two and a half years ago. So before that, so here's the deal. I published two books. I published the first social media book for financial advisors that was ever written, commissioned by Bloomberg Finance. Big deal, right? I published a second book, which is a great marketing book called The 99 Best Marketing Ideas for Financial Advisors. I've been featured in every major magazine, 
Wall Street Journal, Investment News, Financial Planning. I did. I was the only person to ever do two mini series. So we actually did a reality show for financial advisors called Practice Makeover. And I was the only one who actually was highlighted consultant twice. Right. You think all of those things, marketing, 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 right, that that was going to bring me to the next level. When we when we rebranded from Top Advisor Marketing to Proudmouth, and then when we focused more on our podcast, everything changed. So what happens now is people don't come in and I don't have to sell to people who are skeptical, right? I don't have to do that. I sell to people who already know I still sell. I, I need uh, highlighting that point big time. I sell to people who have consumed so much of our content that they come in mostly pre-sold. My job is to answer their specific questions, make sure that they're a right fit, offer them the products and services that we like, and then they decide if they're going to buy from us. That's the biggest difference that I have found in my entrepreneurial journey is I would rather have the right people come to me and buy from me than me have to go out and do hardcore sales. I can do hardcore sales. I'm damn good at it. I have a 37% closing rate here at our company right now. That's pretty good. I, I actually love the competitive nature of sales. But I'm telling you, because of the volume of content, because of we're niche, just like you are, right? All of your content is veteran entrepreneurs. But the thing is, is it takes 18 to 24 months for you to get the, what we call escape velocity or the momentum to have that marketing really work for you. And to be honest, Brett, you know this, most of you don't have the patience for that. We don't have the patience or the bandwidth. So I'll, I'll actually play devil's advocate right. there. So- I didn't know who you are and you just shared all this stuff. I never heard of you. I never heard of any of the content. I never heard anything. Yeah. I just saw you at the conference and I listened mm -hmm. and then like, yeah, you were busy. And I don't, when, when did I figure out, I think at the conference, I realized you're a Navy veteran that, or how did that happen? We were sitting there chatting. Somebody else, somebody else was talking to me. So I was at our booth mm -hmm. and somebody else was talking to me and you were kind of, you and Giselle were there loitering and Yeah. And then the person said something and I said, well, hey, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, hey, we served at the same time. Your eyes lit up and you walked over. Right. But yeah, so it was passively listening to that conversation. And that that just goes to so everything we're doing now on LinkedIn, reaching out to veteran entrepreneurs, like boom, everyone connects like as a veteran, as a veteran. So it's everyone, you have instant credibility and That's instant right. trust in the veteran entrepreneur sector just because you are a veteran because you've you have that t-shirt you've walked in those shoes and so it makes it that much easier but for for your just giving you feedback for me mm -hmm. i sold myself i knew i had a need i knew i have a certain skill set i knew where i wanted to go you didn't sell anything you just provided you provided me a solution to go from a to b faster Right. And I knew I wanted, I knew where I want to be and where I'm still going and where I'd like to ultimately be. You were just the medium to help me get from A to B that much faster. You didn't even have to sell. Right. You didn't have to, well, you, just, so, you know. So it's interesting. So I watch your journey because we're connected, right? And so we're not only connected on social, but because I, I'm involved with your, the veterans group. Wait a second. The, you changed the name officially now. So yes, it's, so it's the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass, same name as the podcast. Right, but but I thought it was something about drinking coffee. Did it you? That's was, what you told you change it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Marines. Was yeah, Marines yeah, yeah, yeah. drinking coffee, yeah. talking there business. There you go. There you go. Okay, it that's was what Marines drinking coffee, talking yeah. business. Then as we got more veterans that were not Marines, okay, yeah. not Marine, they they start getting pissed, and the army like we're not all Marines. And so like okay, so we're gonna change. Do we make veterans? Yeah. 
drinking. I'm like, why don't we just make it the same name as yeah. the podcast? So it okay. says. So I, I'm the reason I'm bringing that up for for all of your listeners. I want them to know that that was a brilliant freaking move. Now the next thing that needs to happen in which move? Said Sorry, this, which which one of so, that? There was like five the, moves there. The, the fact that you moved it to veteran entrepreneurs, not just Marines. So I think that that is going to increase the pool of you being able to provide great value to those people. So there's number one. Number two, brand consistency, brother. You've got brand consistency across the board now. Now, when people say that, it actually has multiple meetings, which is a really powerful brand. But the number one thing that I don't see you do, which is the difference between marketing and sales, is you're not selling. You've built this whole thing, dude. All of these people are there, Brett, they're there because of you, dude. They're not there because of anybody else. They're because you organized it. So there's something, there's a great book. It's called The Seven Principles of Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. So he walks through all of these. He's a PhD who actually studied influence. And the number one thing that most people don't do in the world of sales is called the principle of reciprocity, right? And there's beautiful research. This is all research-based. It's not like woo or whatever. This is like, they actually studied this stuff. If you do something nice for somebody, they are expecting you to ask them to do something nice for you. When I made that sales switch in my brain, everything changed. My closing percentage went up exponentially because I felt it was okay to ask for the business. And I believe that's where most entrepreneurs fall down. Well, if I keep providing them great value, they'll just they'll, they'll call me when they're ready. No, they won't because they're not thinking about you in the same way that you're thinking about them. You have to initiate that. And if there's anything I could get every veteran to read, it's that freaking book, brother. That book right there changed everything everything for me when it came to being influential, sales, how do I figure out who I want to talk to, how I want to talk to about them, how I infuse the principle of exclusivity, scarcity, likeness, community, all of these different you know principles into everything that I say from a marketing perspective and a sales perspective. It's just, it was a freaking game changer. What book is that again? It's called The Prince, Seven Principles of Influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini. Seven principles of influence. So any listeners out there, seven principles of influence. Also, it's going back. So I'm just starting to do it now because yes, I'm podcast guy and I'm here, your story guy. And let me, let me just learn about you and being genuinely curious and hearing someone's journey and hearing their nuggets and applying them to myself. Selfishly, I'm growing so much running this podcast because I'm learning out of these amazing people that are sharing intimate lessons about their own experiences with me. And I'm just soaking up as much as I can, but then going back to, Hey, can we just like, I throw my business hat on. We have a conversation. No one says no. Cause generally course, I'm trying to see if I can help them. The, right. Like right. I'm generally trying to help you. Like, can I cut your tax liability by a hundred thousand dollars? I don't know. Let's find out if I can. And if mm -hmm. I can, great. If I can't, you're in a good spot already. Right? right. But if I can help you cut your tax liability by a hundred grand or protect your family or, or do something along those lines or build additional tax-free wealth. So in retirement, you can retire three years sooner than you originally thought possible. Because no one else is having that conversation with you. We want me to be the meeting between you and your CPA to share these concepts which they don't, which they aren't familiar with. I'll do that all day long. Mm -hmm. I'll do that all day long. And so for me, yeah, it's just kind of slowly being there. And then I guess there's a stigma I'll just share and tell me if you think I'm right or wrong. Because there is so much slimy sales crap out there. And most financial advisors, the industry just has a bad rep. Did you sure. trust your financial advisor? Like, no, like they're always trying to sell me something, trying to do this, trying to do that. Mm -hmm. And then when you come from a place, rather than trying to make a sale, but if I could just make your life better, you generally want to help someone improve their life. 
And then you see where they are today. And after working with me or after allowing me to help them or just take an idea or two I have and implementing that idea, boom, you're at a better place in life after you and I started our conversation than before. It makes me feel good. Like I love helping. Right. Okay. So I'm going to talk about you and this is going to make you uncomfortable. So just freaking deal with it. Right. I'm wearing and pants. And so I, I, have, I have seen not only what you do for your clients, but I've also seen the amount of education that you have put back into becoming an amazing financial services professional, right? If you look at all of the alphabet soup after your name, I want everybody to know that he doesn't phone that in. That's like legit study and education that he's wanted to do so that he can answer the questions he, as in you, Brad, for your clients. I have to challenge you because here, here's the deal. I know you do those things. And if you do say, Hey, you know, if I can help you here, it is, but you and every entrepreneur listening to this, there is that tipping point where you have to ask for the business. They're not thinking about hiring you all the time. You have to ask for that business. And there has been a huge shift in the world of financial services. And I think you're on the leading edge of this, which is showing value, 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 then ask. What usually happens is I'm going to get you, you're going to eat a rubber chicken at a seminar and I'm going to try to close you that night. No, that's not how people buy anymore. And you're also very early on in your influence journey, Brett, dude, you, I'm, I'm what podcast number what? Giselle probably knows 2025, somewhere around yeah, there. Yeah, 2025, great. I've done 400 episodes, dude. I'm 400 in. Uh, and that's only for one show. That's not all of the other things that I've done. So I was just talking to a friend of mine earlier today. She just left a very large company. She's starting her own consulting firm. And since I've done that a couple of times, <laughs> I provide consultation for friends of mine. And one of the things that I said, look, you have to understand the one thing is nothing happens on your timeline. Nothing happens on your timeline. And as an entrepreneur, if you can have that as your mantra, in fact, I say that to myself every day. I have been in negotiations with the largest financial planning firm in the United States to be their preferred podcasting company for two and a half years. I still show up to every call, excited, happy, ready. It's the biggest opportunity we could ever have. But nothing happens on your timeline. And I understand as a person who has gone broke a couple of times, uh, you know, what it's like to run a business into the ground. And I know what cash flow is and I get all of that sort of stuff. But again, you have to have the patience. You have to have the patience to ride it out. And when you do what happens, then you hit that point. Then all of the content that you put, all of those great conversations, all of these great veterans that you're already providing great value to, all of a sudden stuff will change. But just remember, it never happens on your own timeline. You are 100% correct. And actually, for Giselle, you know, as our admin now for almost three years, two, yeah, almost three years, coming up three years. It's hi, Giselle. She's rocking it with the, with the earmuffs. And she's like in the igloo, it looks like down there. It's cold <laughs> in Redondo Beach. But we would, she would vent. Like she, we reach out to clients. We try to provide proactive service. We're, here's an idea. Let's have a call. Let's review your 401k plans. Go over your investments. Let's schedule this. And Giselle, when you do that and people don't get back to you, how does it make you feel? A little frustrating. A little Not frustrating. from people and it's, we're, we're here to help you. And I know people have their own schedules and businesses do get busy. You have priorities. But, you know, just just a little note letting me know it's not priority right now. 
I'll get back to you. But you get that now, right? How long did it take yes, you? You I were do. taking Absolutely. it personally. It so took I, me a while. Right? Taking it personally. It's not personal, Giselle. It's not like they don't like yeah. you. It's not like, oh, it's Giselle. I'm going to intentionally not to leave. They're, they're running their own yeah. business. They have their own priorities. They have their own focuses. They have their own cash flow issues. They have their own HR issues. They have their own client yeah. issues. They're putting out their own fires, right? So we're trying to reach out. We can, depending where they are on that cycle, like we're at a good time or a bad time or a horrible time. But what does everyone do? Mm-hmm. And what do you see, right? What do you, what does everyone eventually do? They get back to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Fire drills over. Like, oh, they finally got back. They'll get back on their timeline. So with Matt's story, I was like, you were sharing that story. That's so true. So we just, but we just have to be there and yes. we have to do our part and they have to know that we're there. And so, yeah, they got us. They got us. Brett and Giselle have us. And when they when they're ready and it's their mindset, their time frame, that's when someone reaches out. And, and do, don't they always, Giselle? Yes. <laughs> that's okay. Well, thank you for coming so, on. So, the if show. any of your please. clients are listening to this right now, hey, listen, everybody, if Giselle freaking calls you, <laughs> please get back to her because you know. And 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 again, so so another another wonderful entrepreneurial piece of advice that that somebody gave me is you have no idea what happened to that person thirty seconds before they came into your field of vision, and man, that changed so much for me because like we would have in my old consulting business. People would get on the phone and they had just gotten fired by a client or they had just the market, just a decision, financial decision that they made from a stock perspective didn't go very well. And my job was to try to, I had to very quickly meet them where they're at and then try to figure out how I could guide them to where they needed to be. And if you're at the grocery store, if you're at the gas station, if your significant other walks in, you don't know what happened when they were driving home. Somebody cut them off, flipped them off, started screaming. You don't know. So one of the great things that I believe, and I learned this as a therapist because God only knows who's going to sit down and where they're at every time. So please just try to be a little bit more patient with everybody, everybody listening to this, because you don't know the struggles that just happened before they came into your life. I think that's a, that's a huge point. And being there, just being there and empathizing and, and say, okay. And then, well, that was good. Now we're talking about em- empathy is one thing, understanding where someone is acknowledging how they feel or acknowledging that they feel a certain way, but then Giselle pop quiz, Dr. K, what comes after empathy? What's the, the next thing to work on? Compassion, right? Having compassion to, to, you don't have to agree with how they feel, but acknowledge it and have compassion for how they feel. That's a huge part of it. So have the empathy, have the compassion, just anything in your business as an entrepreneur with your team. If you're the dominant driver, because most, not most, I'll ask you, you see a bunch of entrepreneurs and I have (laughs) entrepreneurs listening. Do you see a certain mindset or a personality type versus mindset? Oh, we're the most abnormal human beings on the planet, Brad. I prefer Dude, the term come amazing. On, I prefer the most uh, you know, amazing is... people on the planet. A, <laughs> like, what's your sign? Amazing. Well, I think entrepreneurs don't realize how different they are. I've worked with financial services professionals who will unload on their team because they don't have the same level of passion about the business as the entrepreneur does, and I'm like, of course they don't. If they had that same level of passion, they would have started their own business, dude. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? And so, you know, that's the sort of stuff that I think is we as entrepreneurs, really, we are a rare 
rare breed, even in the States where there's probably as many entrepreneurs as there are anywhere else uh, in the world, right? We are a different breed. The risk we're willing to take, the passion, the hours, the discipline, all of the things that we have as entrepreneurs do not ever expect any of your team members to have even up in, in a millionth of a percent of that, because if they did, they'd probably be doing it themselves. That's yes. I completely agree. And even Giselle and I talk about that. And this is like, we're having our own like virtual therapy session on the podcast right now. But one of those things where you want, maybe, maybe you want them on that journey. Maybe you want them on your level. So how do you empower them and give them the opportunity and the skills? It, it's really about the opportunity and the vision, yeah. right? And the vision to want to go with you. You can't, they have to want it, but however, you have to set the stage, the framework where they can feel, Hey, if I do this, this is where I could be. You have to help them paint their own picture it can't be your picture giselle as part of the team has her own picture of what she wants where she wants to go and can i help Mm -hmm. facilitate that right as an entrepreneur can you help your team so this is a perfect segue and i think i don't know if i talked about yesterday in the the veteran group or not so i was invited by another marine veteran that i met on linkedin we had a chat last week and he was a young buck he's in a competing kind of competing he does insurance so we we can do insurance too similar but like, mm-hmm. hey, he invited me to a veteran group. I, I'll, I'll go check it out. Sure. And I invited him to mine. He didn't make it for whatever reason, but I went to his and I reciprocated. And so it was one of the veteran groups where they're more or less chatting about, hey, how did you get out of bed this morning? Yeah. Right. So it's not about growing a business and, and creating this empire, this enterprise. It's how did you get out of bed this morning? I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's that's heavy. And then what do you tell yourself to get out of bed and how to tell yourself to be positive and have so there's a lot of PTSD in this world and a lot of negative energy and a lot of negative mindset. And well, a lot of it, what we came to and it just popped in my mind, because when we talk about Adam and the whole reason I, I work with veterans and the revenue to help the Battle Body Foundation from the loss of my friend Adam committing suicide four years ago on this March will be five years, is he I feel he didn't have a purpose. So a lot of these veterans, a lot of people were talking about business, what we're doing, where we're going. They're like, yeah, but I don't, the guy's like, I'll do something. I don't have that much passion for it. I'm going to do a half-assed job. I'm like, boom. Well, if you're going to do something, give it everything you got. doesn't matter if you like it or not. It's just being that person to try and do. And if you give something your all, that, that giving your all is a habit. It's a habit forming. You can grow. So it, it came from it was another little epiphany during the class. What I'll bring it back here, that that podcast or that it was a Zoom call, it wasn't a podcast, but a group of veterans. <laughs> and I'm like, your purpose, if a lot of people are like, I don't have a purpose. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I want to go. Well, your purpose can be to find your purpose. Mm-hmm. And I shared with them, mine took 18. I knew I wanted to work with veterans. I didn't know how. And so it was there in the periphery. It was abstract. And it was a goal, but it was a fuzzy, weird goal that I didn't know what it really was or how. And it wasn't until event after event after event. And part of it was meeting you. Part of it was meeting you, you big jerk. And you get that credit. And then with Giselle saying, you got, you need to sit down and talk to this guy. And just having boom, moment, clarity, boom, moment, clarity, boom, moment, clarity. It took me 18 plus professional years to find my purpose. And unfortunately, part of it was losing one of my best friends to suicide. That sucks, but that moves things. So that group coming back to what we we're talking about, and I, I'm sorry, I'm on a tangent. I don't know where it came from, but something you said triggered me, which welcomed my life going to tangents. Um, <laughs> everyone, ah, your team, 
has mm-hmm. to find their purpose. And so if you help them find their purpose, they will help you on your pur- with your purpose, right? Giselle was with me when I had some dark stuff going on. We've all had some dark stuff in business. I had some huge challenges a couple of years ago. She was there for me. So no matter what, we, we argue, we go back and forth. We have different perspectives. We're completely different people, completely different people. But, but she, because she was there for me when I was going through the stuff, no matter what, I'm, I'm entirely loyal to Giselle. Uh, and no. she has, and she knows that, and she uses it against me a little bit. No, she doesn't use it against me, but she she could. <laughs> She's a good person, but she totally could. So, but that that's it. She so my loyalties to her because of what she helped me go through several years ago, and so my mm-hmm. I, I feel obligated now, just like you said, the law of reciprocity. It's going back around full circle to help Giselle do whatever the heck she wants to do with her life. And she's still figuring out and that's okay. You're 26. You're allowed to figure stuff out. And it took me 20 years to really have that formation. So I'm going to shut up. What is popping in your mind as we're having this conversation? Where's your mind going as we're having this conversation? Well, I think I think giving people the space in the permission to have those conversations is something that not everybody feels that they have the capacity nor the opportunity to have those conversations and to maybe potentially take that risk. Somebody had said to me recently, because I, I just turned 50. Happy birthday. And uh, it was kind of a big deal for me because I never thought I was going to live this long, honestly. They were saying, you know, Matt, did you think you would have made it by now? And I'm like, oh, I, I don't think I've made it by now. And they're like, Alan Rickman didn't get his first real acting job until he was 54 years old. Right. And, you know, Samuel L. Jackson didn't do Pulp Fiction until he was like 50 years old. Right. And so that's the other thing that we have to keep in mind. For many, many people, life is long. Unfortunately, for many people, they their lives get cut short. And I get that. But for those of us who are, who wake up on the grass side of the turf instead of the root side of the turf, that's when you can make the decision on what you want to do. Every day is a gift. And you and I believe this because we've had too many friends of ours. In fact, I just we did a vet check a couple of days ago, actually two months ago, on one of our Navy buddies. So we've got this core group of guys that we served with who were on my ship at the same time. And we all still keep in touch. One of them, he just disappeared. He's like gone. So no social media, no cell phone, no nothing. We thought he killed himself. And, and so, I mean, we went crazy. Everybody's like trying to call his friends and his family. And it's like, nobody had a phone number and we we're freaking out. And I just got a text before the show that he's okay. Good. So that's the sort of stuff that when you look at, you have to have that why. And for us at, at Proudmouth, our why is to help advisors like you stop being the best kept secret in the area to provide the financial advice that the general public truly needs to make wise financial decisions. Okay. That's why I exist. Now there's a lot of other things that I do. What veterans is a huge component. I donate so much time. And in fact, I maybe should rein that back in a little bit to other veterans who spend time with me so that I can help mentor them or guide them or give them coaching, that sort of stuff. Just because I just keep finding there just aren't enough of us out there to help all the people that need help. Uh, But but, but the the last statement with, with all of what you just said is being an entrepreneur is very strange. You're not normal. You need to embrace the fact that you're not normal and you cannot expect anybody else who is working for you, with you, around you to have the same level of dedication and and focus that you have. And you said something that was interesting, which is we as entrepreneurs don't have to maintain this level that we're at all the time. You're going to have 
crap, crap days. You just said three years ago, you were in a dark place. Entrepreneurial journey is an ebb and a flow, and you got to learn how to ride those waves. And when you can learn how to ride those waves, that's when success really happens. It's not when you're, not when you're on top of the wave. I mean, I know you technically don't ride on top of a wave, but you know what I mean? It's actually when you crash and you're feeling like you're drowning and then you are able to come up for air and you look around and say, what the hell did I do wrong? Which is why I think this podcast is so brilliant. Why I hope more people listen to it because you talk to people about what they, when they fell down, what they learned when they fell down and what they do to be able to bring themselves back up to achieve whatever level of success that they have. So I want to thank you one for allowing me to be on the show, dude, because this is an honor for me. Uh, Number two, I think you're an amazing financial advisor. I think you're generally a good human being and uh, I want to support you in any way I can. I appreciate that. Appreciate you being here, but I always do something before I end any meeting or call or chat. And that's actually Giselle is here. What do I always do before we end a call? Or she has no idea. Giselle, what do you think? Well, it's that advice you would share with entrepreneurs. What's one piece of advice? No, no, I'm going. I'm going to put you on the spot, Giselle. Sorry, and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're on here too. You're guess what? You're a guest on the podcast right now. So as you're going through your own life journey, career journey, like you were put in college, you were. I'm going to make that statement. You were put in college by your parents to do a certain thing. It wasn't your plan. Yeah. And then to break away from that, what have you learned about yourself the last two, three years that you've been on this crazy journey? I'll say your own journey. You're on, you've been on the journey with me, but what have you learned about yourself with everything we've been doing the last two, three years? Open-ended question. Not wasn't planned. Oh, that, that's a, that's a big question. I think it would have to be patience. I have a vision. I'm not there yet. So it's being okay with not being there. So it's patience, figuring it out. I yeah, have no idea what I'm life. doing. <laughs> that's so, called life. Anyone who says they, they definitely that's being patient. phenomenal. Yeah. I wish you sharing that. That's right. Anyone who says they understand and have <laughs> life figured out is lying. <laughs> We're all, yeah, right. Uh, they're selling right? you something. Well, that's no, true. They're actually selling you yeah. something. That, that's, that's that's they're so trying true. to sell you some sort of no, bag of tricks, right? Please. Yeah. So just Gis- Giselle, yeah. none of us know what the hell's going on, right? Uh, we're we're all just on this, yeah. you know, spinning <laughs> planet, you know, streaming through the universe. Uh, you know, and the the even the opportunity for us to be here is so random, right? And so uh, that's that that's where I would leave it is you are not alone. None, nobody's alone. Uh, I know when you feel alone, but uh, there are lots of people out there who are more than welcome to at least ride up alongside of you. They don't have to fix it, but just to be there to support you. And there's yeah. a lot of people who are willing to do that. And all you really need to do is ask. It's been really good guys. So let's end it there, Matt. I'd love to have you come back. If you'd be open to come back anytime, brother. And then actually, do you, do you shoot at all? You shoot? No, I do not. Well, I mean, I did when I was in the service. It's been a while. I don't, I, yeah, I don't have, we may have, we have, may have something for you. We may have right, something right, for you. Right, so right, we'll right, leave it there. <laughs> so if someone does want to reach out and want to talk about podcasting, mm-hmm. producing podcasting, how would someone reach you? Yeah. LinkedIn, uh, please just reach out to me on LinkedIn. I respond to every message personally on LinkedIn. And so, yeah, follow me, Matt Halloran on LinkedIn. It's, I, I will probably be one of the first people that pop up because I've been on there for a really, really long time. I would love to be able to help anybody in any way, just stop being the best kept secret in their area. 
Awesome. So Matt Holleran, H-A-L-L-O-R-A-N. Again, he helped me with my podcast, get it going. So thank you so much. I owe you so much for that. It's been great. And Giselle, thank you so much for being on and, and showing and, and actually contributing the podcast versus just being the tech guru in the background. So I, I think you add a lot to it. Of course. Yeah. Usually I'm just in the, the background. <laughs> nah, I think, especially as we get more of these, you're gonna, I think you should be here. Like what's Howard Stern and Robin, you know, we could, we could go that route. I definitely like it. So you, you provide a different perspective, a different generational perspective. So a lot of value there. So this is great guys. I really appreciate it. Good show. Thank you. All right, guys, take care. Thank you for listening to the veteran entrepreneur masterclass podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button to become notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice offered through IFP Investors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Strategic Wealth Endeavor INC are not affiliated. The views expressed are that of the host and are for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to buy or sell securities. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. Neither IFP Investors LLC IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, nor their affiliates offer tax or legal advice. Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for your particular circumstances. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners.